listening to the Derek Asante podcast, also known as DAPS, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above the average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we're spending some time with someone that I'm still in the process of discovering more about. Um, and she's going to correct me if I mess up anything here with her intro, but uh, she's an MSW, which is a Master of Social Work, as well as an RSW, which is Registered Social Worker. This young professional possesses a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to everyone, no matter where you're coming from, where you're heading, how young or how old you are. She's here to educate and inform us on the topic of mental health and the impact it has on every single one of us. I'm hoping for her to share some of her discoveries on how we as a community can sustain a healthy mind, body, and spirit on a more consistent basis. Please help me welcome my dear friend, Samantha Frederick. Welcome. Thank you so much, Derek. Once again, I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm looking forward to the, to the conversation, for real. Awesome. Did I get it right? That you're, <laughs> you you're did. an MSW and R? Okay, okay. Right on that, for sure. <laughs> I have to make sure I didn't mess that up because Just that's see, important. You, you did not push it at all. You were good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Because I had to do some research on that. I'm like, I keep hearing the words, right? The acronym MSW uh-huh. and this. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> That's like Google it up and, and make sure I got the right information. So, whew. all right. You're good, you're good. <laughs> Awesome. So I usually open with a quote and uh, I'm going to share the quote with you. And I want you to tell me what resonates with you when that quote um, comes across, right? It reads, life is senseless without interdependence. Without people, our purpose is none. Can you, can you say that again? Because it's actually dope. Yeah. <laughs> Life is senseless without interdependence. Without people, our purpose is none. Hmm. That quote is dope because when I when I think about it, I think on the fact that we actually do need each other. Even though, you know, we are all interdependent and we're all doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, we are also a community as well. Yeah. So life is meaningless if we don't interact with each other while also being your own being at the same time. So that's what that's what comes to mind. And, and again, that's your people's personalities and things of that sort. You know, where they're their own being, but at the same time, we all mesh. So that quote's actually really dope. I, I actually like it. Awesome. Uh, I'll I'll keep the credit because I know I came up with it. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's really one of those things that um, I think we take for granted. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't appreciate, we get distracted with material gains and all those other things. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of it is obviously can't exist without a human connection to it. Most definitely. Right. So even even, you know, a book to read, it's pointless without a person reading it. You know what I mean? And, and exactly on a macro level, on a micro level, we do need other human beings for our lives to have purpose. And I just wish more of us would actually see it from, for what it is and, and not be consumed by all the material things that we are consumed with and bombarded with. So exactly. Perfectly said. 
For sure. I appreciate that. Um, now, I wanted to have this conversation with you about mental health and what does it look like? But first, I, I kind of want to learn about who you are, what inspires you, you know, to do the work that you do. So if the question was thrown at you, which is going to be in a second, who is Samantha? And I don't necessarily want to know about your accomplishments, mm-hmm. but the individual mm-hmm. when you're surrounded by family and friends, like who are you? That's a good question because the truth is I'm really not big on credentials. Awesome. <laughs> like I think when I first got my master's degree, that piece of paper was in my closet. <laughs> Word. <laughs> because I just, I'm just, I'm not big on the letters because it doesn't prove anything. Right. I'm big on, can you implement what you learned in school? That's it. Right. So for me, I think, um, it's hard to really describe myself in one or two words, right? But when I think about myself, I think about someone who cares about people. That's my number one thing. And um, I think in a society that's so cold, where, you know, within Canada, people are so individualistic, we need connection. We need people to care about people. And that's something that I've heard that to me growing up from my parents and things of that sort that I have a caring heart. As a matter of fact, my name actually means one who listens. So it's not ironic that I'm in the profession that I'm in because the counseling that I do, you have to listen to people's stories without judging them. And that's something that I've I've been, you know, doing for years, just listening to people without having to say anything. I love to joke around. I love to play around too. And I, I think it's important to have that balance because you can't just only be a serious individual. You have to have a, a playful side to you as well. So that's where I'm able to connect with kids because I got to stoop down to their level, right? But at the same time, I can switch it up and have a, a serious and a dope conversation with an adult regarding just different things in life and still connect with them while being myself. So that's just me in like a small nutshell. You know, I really enjoy reading. Um, I enjoy just going for walks. I enjoy uh, cooking. I love movies. You know, um, I'm a, I'm a, I really enjoy going to the movies. I enjoy, you know, spending time with people. It's really important for me to be around people. I, I grew up like that where I was around a lot of family, a lot of friends. You know, my mom had a, had her group of girlfriends, so you know her girlfriends had kids, and we grew up together. So I was always around people. Mm. So not saying I don't I don't enjoy time by myself, but I enjoy spending time with people. It's important to connect because the biggest thing that I've taken in is you never know when it's someone's last day. So why not give them the roses while they're alive, right? I don't want to wait when someone is six feet deep to then say the things that I should have said to them when they were alive. So that's me in like a nutshell. Wow. Connecting with people and, you know, things of that sort. So, By the way, that's a huge nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big nut. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. No, uh, that, that makes me feel so much better because I, I feel like I know a lot more about you now than I mm-hmm. did before, obviously, right? So um, now you mentioned there is this care for people. Do you think it's a default? Like, are you the type that cares so much that you almost forget about yourself in the moment sometimes? 
Yes, my strength is also my weakness sometimes because sometimes I focus on caring for people so much that I neglect myself. Right. And then, you know, I'm, I'm super tired or I'm constantly thinking about people and it's like, hey, why don't you take half an hour to think about yourself for once? Right. So it's like, you know, there's, there's just that huge dichotomy where it's like, you know, I care for people and I, I love doing what I do and I, and I love spending time with people, but at the same time, it's like, I neglect my needs, mm. you know, so it's, 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 it's tough where I have to sometimes slow down yeah. and I get reminded by friends all the time and family members are like, Hey, um, take care for you. Take care, <laughs> you know, right. with yourself as well, because don't forget that, you know, in order to care for people, you got to make sure that you're 100. So I'm, I'm at the stage now where I'm taking care of myself a bit more <laughs> than I did before. Yeah, definitely a bit more now. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you think that deep level of caring comes from? Like, if you think back in your childhood or experiences, like, where do you think that that was, you know, instilled in you or you developed it or you noticed it about yourself? I believe I always had it, mm-hmm. but I believe um, my brother is the one that really motivated me and really pushed me to care for people more because um, my brother was like three. He was diagnosed with a global developmental speech delay. Okay. Which means, you know, he, you know, as other kids, you know, are talking and walking, he wasn't doing any of that. Mm. And I, and it was such a huge struggle because it's something, again, within the black community, we had no idea what this is. We didn't know what it was. You know, and um, and then years later, he was diagnosed with autism and again, didn't know what that was, didn't know what autism looked like. So him being diagnosed with autism and global developmental speech delay really pushed me to really care for people more deeply because, you know, you, you with him, we had to sacrifice a lot. I had to sacrifice, you know, I had to understand him at his level. I had to meet him where he was at. I had to talk differently so that he understood what I was saying. I had to understand his verbal cues, you know. Mm-hmm. I had to understand his gestural cues as well. So I had to take the time and really understand him as, as a human being. So that really pushed me to care for people more and look at different factors and understand where they're coming from because of my brother and um, he has really, I would say, opened up my eyes in a sense where looking at the word care in a different way. It's not just something where you're just saying, I care about you. You are showing it physically. So if that means taking him to the park and if we're staying there for an hour and he's doing the same thing, going down the slide, so be it. it. It's not because it's honestly not about me. So he has really showed me just... Again, and his care has been reciprocated to me as well. So that has helped me to have an unconditional loving care for him and people that are also like him. So yeah, he definitely, you know, pushed me wow. <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's obviously at your doorstep, it's in your home. Mm-hmm. And you really, I mean, you had a choice, but not too many choices, you know? Right. And it's funny. Sometimes I feel like people are faced with challenges and they don't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they focus on the fact that they can't do it for so long, they lose the opportunity to learn something new about themselves. Mm-hmm. 
personally, of course, of course. Um, do you come from a large family or a small family? Um, I come from a family of five. So they have... <laughs> <laughs> Back up, what? <laughs> five? <laughs> Yeah, it's out to your parents out here. What is what's going on? Yeah. So there's a so including my family, so including my parents, there is I have two other siblings. Okay. Um so it's my you know, my parents, it's myself as the eldest, a sister, and then I got a brother. So there's five of us in total. So you okay. know, okay. It's still big. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, because you made me nervous. I thought it was five kids. I'm like, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I can say I come from a family of five myself. So that's okay, yeah. it doesn't sound so bad. Okay, okay. Ooh, gosh, I was, like, there, I, I was like five kids. What? <laughs> wow. So you're the eldest. And, I'm the eldest. Yeah. And so is your brother the middle child, or he's the baby? So you, oh, okay. you already know how that stays. You right, know? right, 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 right. So who's the middle? You have another sister. You said. Yeah, my sister, she's the middle child, okay. and then I'm the eldest, yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to empathize with the middle child, because that's me. Mm-hmm. Okay, So, okay. How, how challenging was it for her? Because I, I have, I don't know, I believe there's a middle child syndrome. Yes, I believe so, too. Because, <laughs> you know, the eldest, you guys get everything, because you're the only one at, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we come along. And then we get, you know, little hand-me-downs from you. Whatever mm-hmm. you don't want, we get. Mm-hmm. And then the baby comes, and then we're forgotten. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Dirk, that you say that, because my sister can probably say the exact same thing you're saying. Because if you look at my parents' house, mm-hmm. there's barely any pictures of her. Yes. <laughs> Maybe, like, a local one, too, right, you know? Right, And then, like... <laughs> I feel and then, it. <laughs> yeah, and then like videos of her, there's barely any videos of my sister at all. Um, and then just like she has said before, she has felt kind of like neglected, like just there. Yeah. Because there's so much love and attention to me as the first. Mm-hmm. And then when she came along, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we have like a second daughter. That's cool. Right. And then the baby gets yeah. just, you know, Everything. a lot of attention. So, yeah, she can definitely attest to what you're saying. Like she would say the exact same thing verbatim, Man. literally. Because I, I strive. <laughs> you know, I, I when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't believe it was true. I thought it was just in my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this 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 thing is real. I'm looking at my my family. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. It, it I struggled with it. I can't even lie. Like I think that was a part of the reason why I got suspended so many times. I got into so many fights because <laughs> I was just angry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. nobody cares. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> so, it's so true, and it's funny because she spends like a lot of time by herself too. And I'm like, is that like a middle child thing? Like. You know what I mean? It has to be, man. Because I was isolated. Like, I isolated myself. I was in my own head. I thought Mm. a lot. I wrote a lot. Poetry actually saved me. Okay, okay. Like, if I didn't, if I wasn't introduced to it in writing, I -hmm. I think I wouldn't be talking to you today. Wow. Because it it allowed me to vent a lot. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. I had nobody to talk to, just my four walls and my notepad. That was it. Wow. Wow. And that's how I got through high school college and all of that. Like it was, it was one of those, it, I, it was really a thing. I had to confront my mom about it. I, I flat out told her one time, I'm just like, I don't think you love me. Like you love my sister mm-hmm. and my, my brother. Like mm-hmm. obviously she breaks down cause that's hard to hear, but 
it was mm-hmm. my truth at the time. So I was like, no, you can't cry about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is about me. Don't, don't make right. me feel guilty because you're crying. No, 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 no. Right. right. So it was it was the first time I actually got to talk to my mom. You know, wow. Uh, where it was like, I didn't care how you felt at that moment. I need to get this off my chest because, mm-hmm. you know, but it was liberating at the same time because at that moment, moving forward from there was actually one of the few times we were actually able to tell each other that we loved each other. That was the first time I've heard those words. Wow. So it was very powerful, right? So, and I think that opened the gates for our relationship to blossom to where it is today and, mm-hmm. and everything else. So, but yeah, the middle child thing is a real thing. It's, it's, it's a serious thing too. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about it because you got everything. Hey, don't be here, you know? So I wanted to ask you, so what motivated you? Like, I mean, I, I got your brother's story, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but for mental health, like when did that happen? How did you get interested in that? Hmm. So... I would say it was back in high school. I took this, I believe it was called careers class. And, um, you know, my teacher was like, hey, you know what? You're going to do a project on what you want to be when you, you know, when you finish high school and things of that sort. And I think because I really enjoyed listening to people's stories and things of that sort, I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to get into psychology. Mm-hmm. So that was my main thing. Like, you know what? I'm going to be a clinical psychologist and then open up my own clinic. You know, I'm going to have people work with me and things of that sort. I'm going to help a lot of people. I'm going to be in TV. Like that was just, that was my, my vision mm-hmm. growing up. Went into university. You know, I did my psych degree and um, I had a mentor who was a he was a guy from Trinidad and, you know, he grew up in the gangs and things of that sort. He, you know, he did his PhD. He became like a well-renowned clinician in Canada. And he's like, and um, he's like, hey, you know, why don't you look into human services? You know, look into social work. Take one of my classes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, listen to me. I think social work is just a joke. Mm-hmm. I'm doing psychology, right? And the more I did psychology, you know, my second year and things of that sort, I'm like, Psychology seems so narrow-minded. Like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, it just feels so empty. Right. It's just a bunch of concepts and theories, and they're not really reaching the people where they're at. So I took um, his course, and I'm like, man, this feels more like me because I've always wanted to get my hands dirty. I've always done that. And I think looking back in life, I was doing social work. I just didn't have the degree. I just didn't have the paper. Right. But, you know, working with homeless people and just working with the youth in the Jane and area, I was doing social work. I just didn't know that. Um, so, you know, took his, took his courses and um, I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. Like, I, I like this. And I was learning so much about myself mm-hmm. and understanding my family and the family dynamics even more because being able to, you know, amalgamate social work and psychology, I think is really dope. And I believe when I was like 11 or so, I always said I wanted to be a different type of psychologist, not the typical one, a different one that really reached people where other people could not reach them. So me doing social work at that time, that really motivated me, aside from my brother, just taking, you know, his course and then going on, going off into, um, my master's degree, I focused more on mental health because I, I, I looked at the black community 
And I'm like, you know, something is wrong. Like we don't have many resources. We don't have many services. And I, and I said, trauma is so prevalent within the black community. Like I really want to understand myself and understand the black community even more. Because growing up, you know, you, you have parents and, you know, they interact with you a certain way and, you, and you're, you're scratching your head and you're like, okay, is this the way that they're supposed to be parenting? Right. You know, right. or, you go to your, or you go to your grandmother's house and you're like, should she be really hitting me that way? Why is she even doing that? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yep. You know, or you just interact <laughs> with other, other people and you're like, yeah, something is just not right. They all seem the same. Yeah. So I wanted to understand what is really going on because as a child, Growing up, I always asked the question, why? I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why? That was a question that I was always asked. And I was told, don't ask that. Don't ask that. But I'm like, no, I'm so inquisitive. I want to know. So that really pushed me to soul work because I, one, saw that black people were struggling mentally. And two, I said, hey, you know what? The only how sometimes they might be able to really be free is if they're able to talk to someone who looks like them sometimes, right? So I really, I think the black community really pushed me to get into social work because I knew all the theory, which was cool, right. the psychology, but I wanted to meet them at their level. I wanted to advocate for people. Right. I wanted to really listen to their stories. I did not want to diagnose people with mental illnesses. That was not my thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say, hey, you know what? You may have anxiety, but you're not anxiety. So let's figure out ways where you can actually, you know, cope with it or actually, you know, get rid of it. So I just pushed psychology aside and went straight to social work, which really deals with people mm-hmm. and communities and, and, and really advocates for people. That was my biggest thing because social injustice is, 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 is so huge, yeah. right? So I think that's what really motivated me to get into social work. And um, I'm here now and I actually love it, seriously. Wow. Oh. <laughs> no, but honestly, you're, you're, you're an essential piece. Like, mm-hmm. we need more of you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not talking about having the degree and not, I'm talking to people who actually give a damn too. Right, right. right? And can do the work. Like, we need more of that. Wow. For sure. So, for those listening who may not be in tune with mental health um, or may not really have a clear understanding of what it means, mm-hmm. what is mental health? That's like a good question. Like, how would you, how, how would you <laughs> summarize it? It's because it's, 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 it's been used so often that I feel like it's losing its true definition. For sure. So I'm hoping you can help me with that. For sure. So what I'll do to make it easier for people who are listening and for you as well, Derek, mm-hmm. I'm just going like, to share with you the difference between mental health and mental illness. Because they're two different things, right? A lot of times people are like, oh, I'm struggling with my mental health. And I'm like, is it mental health or is it, or is it mental illness? Right? So people t- sometimes they don't understand the difference. So pretty much think of your mental health as just your, the state of your well-being. Right? So we all have mental health. We all struggle with our mental health. There are times where, you know, you might be having like a rough day at work, right? And, you know, you're feeling away, but you're able to actually get out of that, mm-hmm. right? You're able to find a way to cope. So, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for one second. Mm-hmm. I had a similar conversation today with somebody at work. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I came up with, you can let me know if I was off. And that way, at least tomorrow when I see them, I can say, hey, uh, my bad, I messed up on that. 
So I said to them, mental health is similar to, it's no different from a cold or a flu. Mm-hmm. We all get it. And, and some of us have it for a longer period than others. Mm-hmm. And it can go away with work. Um, but some people don't get away from it that easily. Am I am I off when I when I said that or are you sure you don't have your MSW? <laughs> <laughs> no, I should pay somebody to give me that. <laughs> that is such a perfect analogy. I don't have to I don't have to even explain the rest. <laughs> oh wow, okay. So I'm on to something I No, that's really good. Because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Very okay. good. No, seriously for real. For real. Mm-hmm. No thrill, because now when we talk about mental illness now, that literally affects your thoughts, like your feelings, mm. you know, your perceptions, how you interact with the world. Mental illness affects your day-to-day functioning, right? So that's why sometimes, you know, people might struggle with their mental health. Again, like the whole thing with the cold, you know, they make it a cold and they're able to deal with the with the symptoms. But when, it, when the symptoms become so overbearing, mm. right? then you can develop something else. So that's when people, you know, go back to mental health. Mental health, you know, signs and things of that sort become so overbearing that the person ends up developing a mental illness. So it can lead to mental illness, which impacts their their day-to-day function. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 I think I got I think I got it. I'm going to try and come up with my own layman's um, (laughs) term. So, okay. So check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say this is probably going to be terrible, but I'm going to try. Let's say I'm a I'm a 14 year old, mm-hmm. and I notice the first pimple on my nose. Mm-hmm. And I'm outside. I'm playing with my friends. I'm hanging out, but I keep rubbing my nose. My hands are dirty, mm-hmm. and I touch my face, and I do this, and I do that. And before you know it, I have a breakout. Mm-hmm. So when I first started with just that one pimple, I had mental health, mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. I didn't take care of it gotten worse and because I kept playing and I kept doing whatever I wanted which I thought was right but mean, meantime it was wrong it gotten worse and I got the breakout now I have mental illness right because now it's literally affecting your day-to-day function because now you have more pimples now you probably have to go to the doctors now you have to probably get like a, a cream or you know of some sort so very good analogy awesome okay that, good analogy. Right. That, that makes sense to me so now i'm okay. like okay i can understand your language now so that's good okay awesome <laughs> <laughs> but the people who are listening they're gonna thank me for that because i know they're probably thinking what is she talking about i get it right. but i'm losing yeah. myself uh just think about pimples that's how i gotta do <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> um so what would you say are the top five identified mental illnesses or a diagnosis that you've come across? So I would say the top five for sure, and they're still occurring now. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety is huge. Mm. Anxiety is huge. Um, a lot of people struggle with anxiety. And the thing is with anxiety, there are like other different types of anxiety. So there's anxiety disorder. which is just general anxieties. Mm -hmm. And then there's about seven or eight types of anxieties. 
So, yeah, there's like social anxiety. So think of kids, you know, maybe who've who've been homeschooled for a long time and then they're, you know, they're off to school. Now they're super anxious, right? Because uh, they don't know how how to interact with people because they were homeschooled. You know, there's PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Think about those who are in war, you know, things of that sort who... You know, they were in war for, for years, they come back home, you know, they hear a loud noise and, you know, they get bodily reaction, mm-hmm. right? Um, think about obsessive compulsory disorder. So think about people who constantly wash their hands because mm-hmm. of germs. So, so think of COVID. COVID is a great, great, great example. Now that COVID has occurred for like a whole year and something, yeah. there are many people that have OCD. Right, because now they're constantly washing their hands, they're constantly wearing gloves at home. Because why they don't want to get COVID, they're super anxious, right? So, anxiety is, is, is a huge one. Depression, depression is another, um, you know, I would say top mental illness where a lot of people experience that because they're, they're such at a low where they're super sad, they feel helpless. They feel hopeless, right? And um, we can, you know, a lot of people do suffer from depression. Um, Bipolar disorder, right? So bipolar disorder is kind of like, think of bi as two and think of polar two polars, right? Right. So with bipolar disorder, an individual, you know, they're they're at the, the manic state where they're super happy, they're super excited, you know, they're they're shopping like crazy, they're spending time with friends. And then there comes a point in their life where they become depressed. That's the other opposite. So a lot of people struggle with that uh, disorder. And then there's eating disorders, which is very common in males as it is in females. But again, for the most part, you know, we always focus on the females, but it is common in males as well. So think of like binge eating where a person would eat a lot, a lot of food, a lot of food, a lot of food. And it could be for a a lot of reasons, right? Maybe maybe they lost their job. Maybe someone said something about their body and that has resonated with them and now they're eating a lot. Right? So those are those are, you know, the main ones. And there's also schizophrenia. Wow. That's another big one. Um, where a person is really struggling in their mind where they're seeing things, they're hallucinating, right? They 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 think that they're seeing and hearing things. Or they're very delusional. They have, you know, beliefs that aren't even true, right? Or they're also illusional. So these are the the, the the top five ones. And I would say the main cause of these particular mental health um, diagnosis is trauma. Trauma is the core to a lot of mental health concerns and mental illnesses that people really struggle with. It's trauma. So, Okay. What about mm-hmm. vicarious trauma? Okay. So vicarious trauma, it's a very interesting one because it's something that a lot of us actually experience mm-hmm. and we aren't even cognizant of it. We aren't even aware. No. So think of vicarious trauma as you meet someone, Derek, and they went through a very traumatizing situation, right? Car accident or just something of that sort. Now, they share their experience with you. They share all the symptoms that they experienced. They share how they felt. They share, you know, um, just what they went through. 
And now you go off in life and you go off and do your own thing. And now you're just thinking about that person. You're thinking about what they went through. You, you find now you're sad. You find that you're angry, right? Mm-hmm. You find that you now you're experiencing lingering feelings. And you're like, why am I feeling this way? You know, you find that now you feel like you, you've lost all hope. You know, you're thinking about what that person went through, but now you're experiencing the same symptoms that they have experienced. Those are the more common signs of vicarious trauma. So vicarious trauma is, think about it as someone's trauma, right? Affecting you potentially, and now you carry those symptoms with you. It's it's just like somebody sneezing on you, and then you now, a few days later, you got the cold too. Exactly. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> like, you know, like, okay, so there's a saying that says sometimes parents vicariously live through their kids. It's kind of the same thing. Yes. The yes. same thing. Yeah. It's transferring energy, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah. And that's what it is. It's, it's scary because I try and tell people that too is keep that negative energy over there. Mm-hmm. And I'll stay over here mm-hmm. because it, it really is, whether it's at work, personal relationships, mm-hmm. friends, anything. Somebody has a negative vibe and they're around you for X amount of time. It's only a matter of time before they transfer it over to you. And you don't even know they're doing it. They don't even know they're doing it. They have no idea. Right. Because they're simply sharing their story with you. That's it. And, 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 and of course, as a friend, they expect that. Right. They're there to, you know, for for them to be able to share the story with you. But now you are experiencing the same symptoms or even more symptoms yes. that they experienced, you know, two, three weeks ago. Right. So by Kirishana, we all experience that. Some or the other. We all do experience that. Now, is there a way to prevent um, some of these symptoms or minimize its effects and not just for vicarious trauma, but all the other ones? Like, what can I do if I, you know, if I'm somebody who's concerned? I want to know. Well, no. Forget I'm somebody. I want to know. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> you want to know what's good. Right. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> it's not for anybody else but me right now. I want to know. How do I prevent this from, you know, like I, I'm def- I know I go through depression, depressed moments. I know I go through the anxiety moments, maybe not to the extreme of some other people. But mm-hmm. how do once I recognize that in myself, right, something's changed or I'm not feeling the way I want to be feeling. Mm-hmm. How do I, how can I do, what can I do to try and get myself out of that? Right, right, right. Well, I believe that if you're having a hard time hearing a friend's story, it's okay to say, hey, you know what? At this moment, why don't we share this at, at another day? Or you can actually lead them to a resource, right? There's nothing wrong with that because there are times where a story can be so traumatizing that. It brings up your own trauma. And now you find that you have triggers that, that, you know, you thought were locked up, but now they're actually reoccurring, right? They're actually resurfacing. So it's important to make sure also that your mental health is good. Because if mentally you're not good, it's going to be tough when someone shares even similar stories that you've been through. It will be tough for that, for that, for that individual. Right. So it's also important for you to really understand trauma or understand mental illness, understand what it looks like. So when someone approaches you, you know, hey, that person, I already know that it's anxiety, you know, already. So, you know, hey, you know what? I, I can handle anxiety. 
But if they come to you with a story where it's, it's perhaps regarding trauma, where you know you still have unresolved or unprocessed trauma in your life, you may know that, hey, you know what? I'm not fit. I love you as a friend, but I'm just not ready to hear this right now. Right. right? That's okay. Right. So it's, it's really take, making sure that mentally you're good because, again, a lot of times people experience vicarious trauma and they're not aware and they're wondering why is my why has my mood changed right and 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 or why am i feeling so sad why am i feeling depressed because again you weren't at that at that time mentally your state was not 100 it might have been 50 Right. right understanding how much you can take if you know that someone is sharing a story with you and you can only take 50 percent let them know that you can only take 50%. That's okay. Mm. Right? So it's really knowing yourself and understand how much you can take as an individual because sometimes we think we can share some heavy stories with our friends yeah. and family members and there are times where they cannot handle it. It's actually a lot. Yeah. So the person who's also sharing has to keep that in mind. But I think, you know, in regards to you, Derek, if, if, if that's something that you experience, you got you got to let them know. Because uh, you can also experience vicarious trauma and then it, it goes through displacement where you're, you're taken out on family and friends and it can get a little bit, you know, dysfunctional and kind of chaotic. So it's really important to recognize and, and identify what these things are. So it's funny, I, I spent, thank you for that, first of all, I, mm-hmm. I spent some years doing youth outreach work. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, 70% of the reason I had to leave was because of vicarious trauma. Really? I couldn't because it was taking a... T- I had the same... I still do, but it was hurting me more then, which is the same level of care that you had about... Uh, you have about your um, your you know clients and people that you surround yourself with. I had the same issue with the young people that I'm, I was working with. Mm-hmm. And... I'm talking the kind of level where it's like, okay, they can call you at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. But that that's not normal. Because we also didn't get time to reset or even take care of ourselves. And a lot of them are still probably doing it today. Um, I mean, COVID makes it look a little, a little bit different. But at that time, like, we were burnt out. Right. Wow. And we, we ended up, you know, forming our own little groups so that we can actually talk to each other about it. But I realized that didn't help either because that was just more transferring. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'll vent and I'll vent. And before you know it, I left worse than when I came in. Wow. You know, so I stopped going because I'm like, this is not helping me. This is actually making me feel more angry, more upset, more depressed. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so that would start to trickle into my home. So I'm like, yeah, no, that's... Mm-mm. Yeah. Right. You know, so it, it's it is a real thing. And, and I appreciate you spending some time on that. Right. So a question for you, even though I know it's not my podcast. Mm-hmm. No, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> question for you. When did you notice that you were experiencing vicarious trauma? That's the first question. And second question is, what did you do? Like, What was your next step? So, OK. I, I realized it when. I was more passionate about the individual's issues or challenges than they were. Mm, okay. So I took it, I owned it more than they did. Mm-hmm. So I'm fighting their fight. Meanwhile, 
they're okay with it. It's become a norm for them, mm-hmm. you know, to just let life be. And I'm like, no, that's not right. Like, let's let's go and do this. Let's go and do that. And right. so I, I recognize that. Um, and the only thing I could do, I kid you not, was turn to my music, listen to music, listen to poetry, and just write. Mm, okay. And just, like, that's 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 what... I, that's where I found my balance. I didn't have, you know, I didn't go to a counselor. I didn't do any of that. I didn't think those things were for me, like most of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I were at the time, I couldn't afford it. Okay. Okay. You know, so it, that's really what it was. And I just stuck to my writing and my writing kind of um, helped with it a bit. But ultimately it was me walking away is what mm-hmm. did it for me. Because it, it was, you know, day after day or every other day or every week, there was a shooting. And it was a young person that you were working with like two days before. And so now you got to deal with that. And you got to go to the funeral. So I have a thing now. I don't go to funerals. Wow. Like wow. I, I, It's a hard thing for mm-hmm. me to do. Like I try not to go to funerals. The last funeral I went to was a kid I didn't know. Um, and... I knew the pastor of his church Mm -hmm. that his family went to. And the pastor is the one that reached out to me and said, hey, I want you to write something for this kid. I'm like, I have no idea who this kid is. Mm -hmm. So he connects me with the kid's parents. They tell me the story of who their son was. And from that, the tears and everything, I write a poem. Wow. And I kid you, I go to this church. I I have no idea who's in the room, but I know I remember some of the young people's faces. And I get up on there at the podium and like, I've never, I mean, I, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of spoken word, but mm-hmm. it was, it was different. Right. Completely different because now I'm like, there's a casket over there. Wow. I'm talking about this person that's in that casket and I'm looking at his mom and his dad and I can hear the tears from the back of the church mm-hmm. and, and I get through it. I'm, I break down, I'm crying and I'm doing it. And I'm just like, I can't stop. Because if I stop, mm-hmm. it's just pointless. So everybody's mm-hmm. like sobbing. We get through it finally. And when I walked out of there, and I had to be like almost the last person to leave because I didn't want to walk through the crowd either. Mm-hmm. Because then I would have to hear people say, thank you for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I didn't do it to get thanks. Right. You know, so that was a really hard one. And I think after that, I made the choice to say, I'm not going to anymore because if wow. I responded this way to somebody I had no idea who he was mm-hmm. what am I going to do when it's somebody I know exactly and I don't know if I can recover from that mm-hmm. exactly you know so that was where that shift kind of happened for me but that was definitely one of those moments where I was just like yeah this this field is definitely not for me right and that's and, and, and here's the thing with vicarious trauma because sometimes you get you, you adapt to it so much based off of maybe your job or things of that sort, it then becomes normalized. That's it. Right? So think about, you know, just think about people in general who, you know, dependent maybe on their, you know, professional degree. Yes. It's normalized. It's like nothing. Everyone is walking around with vicarious trauma. And that's why I, I usually emphasize people need to actually educate themselves. Like that's that's my number one mantra. Educate yourself so that you're able to identify, you know, different things. Because if you don't, you can live a life full of trauma and you can die in your trauma without even being aware. 
that you were walking around with not, with, you know, with not only your trauma, but someone else's trauma. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's a huge one. Are you looking for the finishing touch to wash day, a special occasion, or just a play date? Graham Bear has you covered. We offer a wide selection of accessories. You will love our plant-based hair clips and fabric bows, bow ties for daddy and me, and our best-selling turban headbands, which are perfect for your mommy and me looks. We're a Canadian-based handmade shop. Our products are made to order with love, care, and attention to details. We offer fast local and international shipping. Our accessories are made for making memories in. Visit us at grahambear.ca for all of your family accessory needs. Follow us on Instagram at grahambear to see our products in action, know about promos and contests. Be sure to use promo code DAPS10, that's D-A-P-S-10, for 10% off your next purchase. So folks, you're listening to a conversation with Samantha. Uh, we're talking about mental health. We are literally just talking about vicarious trauma and how critical that can be to our health um, and without even us knowing it. Um, it's one of those things that can sneak up on you and you might think it's something else and you might, you know, misdiagnose yourself because we do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And and before you know it, you're in a hospital bed. So mm -hmm. you got to really, like she just said, educate yourself on what it means to have mental illness, mental health, what it actually means, and look into what you might be struggling with. Don't assume you're not struggling with anything because we all struggle with it in our own ways and it looks different for every individual, I believe. And so keep that in mind. <clears throat> now, Samantha, my question for you now is, I noticed you, you jumped into it briefly in the beginning. You mentioned how you got into the field that you're in and the fact that the Black community was also a trigger or an influence um, for you to really pursue it. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a different, like, does it look different, mental health? Does it look different in different ethnicities, cultures, and race? Like, does it appear differently? Of course, for sure, for sure. Um, in regards to that, I'm going to just pretty much put them all together. Ethnicity, culture, and race. Mm -hmm. um, when I think about that, of course, I more so think about visible minorities. Right. Okay? Um, I think about belief system. Right? Do these different groups even believe in mental illness? Mm -hmm. Do they believe in mental health? Right? Because think about that. If, let's say, for instance, um, an Indian family does not believe in mental health, not believe in mental illness, they don't even talk about that in the household. Let's say their teenage daughter or son struggles with mental health, right? Now, in order for them to, let's say, be free or liberated or have positive coping mechanisms, it may be difficult because, they, you know, they don't talk about that. They don't believe in mental illness. So how can you be depressed when you don't believe in that? There's no way you're depressed, right? Mm. Those are some things that are coming to them. There's no way you could be suicidal. You have a roof over your head. We came from, you know, wherever. There's no way you could be suicidal. So just cut the crap right now, seriously. Right. Right? So their beliefs you know, the belief system that they have is huge. And I'm also thinking about just the household in general for black people. We don't even share how we feel, mm. right? So what makes what makes us think that if a teenage boy or girl or even an adult is, is struggling with mental illness, what makes me think that they won't actually self-medicate right. and make things worse? 
right? So it actually looks different as opposed to maybe, you know, Caucasian people who, again, they do share how they feel. You know, we see them on TV and things like that sort of, they share how they feel. They don't really care. Mm. They'll share their business, right? They'll share what they're struggling with. And even sometimes in their household, they are allowed to share how they feel, Mm. right? But I'm thinking about my parents who come from Grenada. They were not able to share how they feel. If they were, if they felt a way, their parents told them, honestly, don't bring anything up. You listen to what I say. You say, you know, and, 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 and that's where people suffer in silence. So it looks different where the black community, we, our behaviors will look different, right? We might act out because we were not able to express how we felt, right? And if someone was struggling with, you know, depression or, 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 or anxiety, they might find different coping mechanisms that are more so maladaptive. They're not healthy. So maybe drugs, maybe, you know, alcohol, maybe prostitution, right? Maybe gambling. So because it looks so different, their reactions and their responses to the mental illnesses, people, you know, will get involved in those particular things because of one, the belief of, of, of their culture and just the fact that a lot of different ethnic backgrounds don't, don't even believe in mental illnesses. So that makes it extremely tough Wow, for, you know, many people. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's scary though. Oh, yeah. It is scary. But no, like that's yeah. dangerously scary because... It is scary. Mm-hmm. You're a prisoner in your own home. Yep. Oh yeah. And the people who say they love you are the ones holding the key to your door that you can't leave. Oh yeah, Dick, I'm telling you. Because I look back at, um, you know, I, again, my parents, they're from Grenada, but I know for a fact they're from Africa, okay? That's yeah. where we all come from, mm-hmm. straight up. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Ghanaian, a lot of friends who are Nigerian. Yeah. And I was talking to one of my boys sometime this week, and he was telling me, he was just talking about trauma and things of that sort. And he was like, hey, he's like, you know what? He's Nigerian. He said his mom, everything was a beating for him. If he felt away, she beat him. Yeah. If you wanted to express how you felt, she beat him. So imagine every time you want to express how you feel, there's a negative consequence. Right. What do you think is going to happen? He's not going to express how he feels. Yep. So now he's a grown man with two children and he has, you know, his girlfriend mm-hmm. and he struggles with that. He does not express how he feels. Yep. Okay. So again, just think of the impact. And that's why I always talk about intergenerational trauma, things being passed down from generation to generation because it is it is real, right? So within different you know, ethnic groups and, and, and culture, mental illness is not talked about. Neither is mental health. They don't discuss it. Or if they if if they do, there's a stigma behind it. Well you know what? Because you have anxiety, we can't be around you. Right? Because you have depression, don't come to the family gatherings, right? Don't 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 come to my home because there's a stigma that follows mental health. Yes. Right. So it looks different where maybe one group of you know, one one group of people might be more welcoming, more supportive, more understanding, while another ethnic group would actually shun that person and say, you know what, we disown you because you have something that one, we don't know about. Right. we don't believe in mm-hmm. and three there's no way you came from us because we, we you know because we don't have that right so it looks different and really looks different so it's 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 funny i had a debate i don't know why i even got into this one but 
I was trying to educate someone about post-traumatic slave syndrome. And they were like, mm-hmm. there's no such thing. I'm like, but listening to what you just said, <laughs> if something as simple as telling your child, you know, or disciplining them in, in a negative way mm-hmm. that causes them to not communicate how they feel. Mm-hmm. And now they don't know how to communicate with their children. Mm-hmm. How do you not see the correlation? Exactly. Regardless of how many years or how many, you know, how do you not see it? Mm-hmm. You know, so, but thank you for that. It, it's so true, though. And that's what makes me a bit nervous <laughs> when I think <laughs> back. I'm like, shoot, I've been through hell and back. I'm <laughs> 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 but it's yeah we can't we 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 don't know how to communicate especially no. black males we don't and even amongst ourselves a lot of topics are taboo mm-hmm. to this day of course yeah you know and it's unfortunate i mean you would think with the world being the way it is but again it's hardwiring right like we've been mm-hmm. conditioned this way through physical um, disciplination and all these things that it's ingrained in mm-hmm. you not to talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, oh man, that's, whew, thank you for that it one. Is, uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. what about nutrition? Like, does a person's nutrition, nutritional diet have an impact on their mental health or wellness? Oh yeah, that's that. That's a given, for sure. <laughs> for sure, because um, the thing is, people don't understand that Food is energy. Mm-hmm. Food is energy. And um, if your intake of food is not where it should be, it does affect you not only physically speaking, but mentally. Because think about it now. If you don't eat food mm-hmm. and your stomach is, you know, your stomach is, you know, growling and things of that sort. And let's say you're, you're, you're in a classroom, you're in class, right? You're trying to concentrate. How can you concentrate when you first didn't get any energy and now you're disrupting the class and now you can concentrate because of the lack of energy mm-hmm. and now you feel anxious because you're like, man, I don't remember the answers to the question. Mm-hmm. It affects you mentally, right? Yes. Because again, food is energy and that's why, you know, it, it's important to stay hydrated, to eat a lot of food that have electrolytes, right? To to eat food that, that really brings life because when you eat a lot of dead food, it affects you holistically speaking. Hold on, you just took a shot at meat, didn't you? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know what? Hey, you know what? If people want to eat meat, hey, I can't do anything. (laughs) No, I'm I'm, I'm good with it, but I like the way you put that. If you want to eat dead meat, I'm like, hold on, that's meat. <laughs> oh gosh, that was slick. I like that one. I like that one. Sorry, go ahead. I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> but for sure, eating food that honestly brings, you know, life and energy because the truth is we are holistic beings, right? So a lot of times people might might neglect food and uh, focus on other things, but there is a correlation between nutrition and mental health because like you talked about, you know, what mental health is, just again, your well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Your psychological well-being. And if we all struggle with it, then again, we have to take care of it. So food intake is important because a lot of people that struggle with food insecurity, they end up developing mental health concerns. Right. Right. So yeah, it's important for sure. So 
how do I get tested to find out or diagnosed to find out what I'm suffering from? Um, and, and like, can you walk us through that process and what that might look like? Mm-hmm, for sure. So usually people can go to a clinic, right? So there's CAMH, which is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Um, people go to sick kids hospital, any hospital is fine, mm-hmm. right? And um, what you, who you usually speak to is a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Okay. So when you talk to them, you so, might say, hey, you know what? Hold on. What's mm-hmm. what's the difference between the two? Psychiatrists, they prescribe medication to you. Psychologists, they do not prescribe medication to you. Ah, interesting. Yeah. 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 So you'll find a lot of psychiatrists at places like CAMH because, again, a lot of people that come there are looking for prescription drugs. So psychiatrists, they prescribe medications. So let's say you go to a psychiatrist and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious. They'll say, you know what? Hey, we'll give you Valium. So they will prescribe medication to you. Psychologists do not prescribe medication. But that's a Band-Aid effect. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll so save it for that I, one. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to talk about in regards to that. Okay. But yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to make note of that. <laughs> that I got another episode with Sam about this. <laughs> That is crazy because that's all that is to me when, when you say that. I'm like, yep. Okay, so yeah. listen, folks, go and see a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> if you must, then you go see the psychiatrist. Yeah. If you can't do nothing with the psychologist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So when you so when you actually see any one of them, depending on your choice, they'll mm. do an assessment with you. So there's something called the DSM five. It's pretty much the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible for um, any particular mental health professional. So like, I know people are like, hey, what is the DSM-5? So pretty much the DSM-5 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's the book that we all reference to for disorders. There's over 200 classified disorders. Are you serious? Yeah. So you can imagine how thick that book is. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. So they'll do an assessment with you. And again, I'm not too sure if they've changed things because they're always changing things. If you pass a certain number, then you have that disorder. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's a number system. It's yeah, it's just it's crazy because an assessment cannot prove anything. Sometimes and 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 again, it, it goes back to the questions and my thing is with Assessments, I'm not saying they're a bad thing, but sometimes they can traumatize people. And sometimes, you know, they, they can be a bit too um, closed off because sometimes, again, the questions are so generic, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, two people are struggling with anxiety, but it looks different. How can you say, how can you grade them on that? Right. right? How can you properly assess them? So assessments, they're cool to a certain extent, but again, they can be a bit, bias because of the questions so right it's sorry to cut you it's interesting Mm -hmm. because as you're saying that all that is coming through my head is the same idea around equality and Mm -hmm. equity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it seems like yeah we have similar you know we both suffer from anxiety but we're being treated with the same brush like we're being painted with the same prescription and and that's what it is There's no nuances about the differences. No, there's no human element to it. It's just 
okay, that sounds like, that looks like anxiety because this chart says so. Mm -hmm, exactly. And the thing with medication is, Derek, is people don't understand. I'm, I'm, I have my biases with that. I can't mm -hmm. say too much. Yeah. But um, with medication, it really just deals with the symptoms. Mm -hmm. It doesn't deal with the problems. Band-aid effect. Right? right? So you have a lot of people walking around taking different prescriptive drugs, but um, the problem is still there. It's all a numbers game. Okay, so <laughs> yep. it's, all, it's all a numbers game. It's big pharma, isn't it? Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. <laughs> call it what it is, straight up. <laughs> right? It's a big numbers game. So, you know, you, you know, they have to reach a certain quota, yeah. so they have to do what they got to do. That's it. Right? So, yeah, so they, they do an assessment with you, and based off of what you have, they'll, they'll, they'll go through what it is, and go through the signs, the symptoms, and then if the, if the psychologist believes, hey, you know what, this individual needs medication, they will refer them off to the psychiatrist if you did not start off with the, psychi with, with the psychiatrist. What? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. This is like, this, this is reminding me of a scene from like The Wire. Like, you want to cop something, but they send you to the, the, the corner boy over there, and then he sends you to this guy, and that's how mm -hmm. you get your... Oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Bear referrals, yeah. Bear referrals, trust me. Wow. <laughs> a lot of referrals, yeah. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. This yeah. is so scary. The people that we entrust our lives with, right? But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's tough, man. It's what do we do? I know. Oh I know. My gosh. I know. That's why it's important to educate yourself and um, you know, definitely find a therapist that's that's trustworthy yeah you know if you don't believe in medication definitely get counseling yeah you know then you know get, get counseling but i again like i said there are people who need because their their diagnosis is so chronic yes. they do need the medication mm -hmm. to deal with the symptoms and then from there i recommend you then do therapy some people, because of the state that they're in, it's they're at their lowest and they need medication to help the symptoms. Mm. For sure, but it does not help the problem. Yeah, it does not have the problem. So I'm going to try and push through because otherwise you're going to keep me here getting upset about psychiatrists. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like, okay, so we all have friends or family members that keep telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. And you just can't find the right words to tell them to shut up where they actually understand. So mm -hmm. how do you deal with someone who's constantly, whether it's at work or within your inner circles or whatever, that's constantly telling you what to do and you know that's going to be your trigger, which is going to obviously, you know, <clears throat> have an impact on the state of your mental you know, mm -hmm. wellness. So how do we deal with people like that? Oh, man, they are tough. I can't lie because they, they talk too much and they're all, and they, they're just, they just itch up in everyone's business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure. You have to inform them of your triggers. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, depending on the environment that you're in, the state that you're in, if you're able to remove yourself and actually engage in a, in a healthy and positive coping mechanism, mm -hmm. do so. So let's say, you're at work and you're, you're in a meeting and the person is 
you know, whatever they're saying, it's triggering you. If you're able to do a bit of mindfulness internally, so let's say you're able to do some deep breathing exercises, do it, right? Right, so because sometimes, guess what? The truth is we will all get triggered. We can run from everybody and we can run from everything. So you have to be able to develop some healthy coping mechanisms and some healthy healthy skills where if you're in a situation where you're unable to leave, what can you do? So if that's deep breathing exercises, right, do that. Um, if you're able to maybe look at something and, and just fixate on that particular picture or that particular desk and just come up with words to describe it while, you know, they're, they're saying whatever, do that, right? If you're able to address it with that individual and say, hey, you know what, right now I feel my body shutting down, one, I don't know why, or two, I know why. Can I excuse myself? And when I'm ready and when I'm at a good mental health state, can I talk to you? Do that. But it really, it honestly depends on even the the relationship that you have with that individual, right? Because some people aren't even aware that they're triggering people. They have no idea. And sometimes if they don't know their story, how are they supposed to know, right? right? So... Sometimes it does require you being vulnerable and sharing sometimes so that the next time they interact with you, they will be a bit more mindful. I mean, that's a great advice. And I, I do encourage people to take that advice and try and express to the person that is really triggering you, you know, let them know exactly how you feel and and whatnot. But be warned that if they're not a true friend, you're going to lose them. And that might be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Be, be prepared to, you know, accept that. Right. I think people need to be aware of that. Like if, you know, if I'm honest with somebody about how I'm feeling or how they're making me feel and they turn around and say, well, they don't want to be friends with me by ignoring my calls or my texts the day after. Mm-hmm. That's great for me, by the way. Right. At the same time, Derek, the person is also being triggered, right? Yes. You got to also do some work as well. You got to ask yourself some questions. Yes. Why am, I, why am I feeling triggered right now? Mm. What is triggering me? Does it remind you of something that you experienced? Right? Because again, with triggers, it's, it's, you don't understand why there's a bodily reaction. Why is your body reacting this way? Why are your fists getting so tense? Why is your heart beating faster? Right? Why are you sweating? Right? Why are you responding to them a bit more harshly? So even though, you know, you have to kind of do different coping skills and things of that sort, you got to ask yourself some questions. And if you realize, hey, you know what? Wow, what he said, what that person said to me reminded me of something that happened years ago, right? Acknowledge it, right? Because you have already identified it. Acknowledge it and find a way to cope. But you got to ask yourself questions as well. I'm glad you you did what you just did with, with why. Mm-hmm. Because my daughter turns, you know, um, six years old today, and hey, happy birthday! Yeah, she'll, <laughs> she'll, she'll be glad to hear that. Um, Aww, that's cute. <laughs> but it just reminds me because these—that's the only question she always asks mm-hmm. after her initial question, right? But why? But why? But why? And I and I know parents out there don't ask me that, or just because I said so, or this, right? They don't entertain that. Mm-hmm. Whereas. I entertain it mm-hmm. because I understand the power in that. Right. 
right? It's it's that under a deeper understanding, and and being able to find their own voice, be able to even have the courage to ask. Mm-hmm. If I silence her this early, she'll never ask. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to turn around and say, hey, you should ask questions when you're in class. Right. Meanwhile, she's processing. You didn't encourage me to ask why. Now you're telling me to ask why. I'm confused. What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. You know, and these are the, the small things that we do, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm glad you, you stressed on it. Because we're talking about, you know, whether young people are adults. And these are questions we need to ask ourselves. So, and I say that to say, as a grown person, do not, do not silence your younger people because you don't have the answers. Right. Right. They're trying to find the answers. And if you don't have it, tell them you don't have it, but you'll try and find it. And if you can't find it, get someone who has the answers that can answer for them. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean... Ignorance does come at a cost at some point. Of course. You know, and so I, I really appreciated that because you just reminded me of a child asking why, why, why. But I realized as you're doing it, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I ask myself these questions as well, but it just sounds different. Right. You right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. So thank you. For no, that. honestly, Dirk, that, that's a dope point because, you know, and the example that you gave with your daughter is so dope because I'm just thinking the fact that you acknowledge how she feels, she won't forget that. Her confidence level will be at a high. Yeah. Because, hey, whatever happens at home, it's transferred at school. That's There's it. There's no difference, right? So that's the thing with parents. They have to try and model. Whatever you tell kids to do on the outside, model it at home. Because it's very confusing for a kid when, you know, you... You reject them in so many ways, but then on the outskirts, you expect them to be a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, got to keep that in mind. Man. So, okay, folks, if you just tuned in, you've been listening to uh, my conversation with Samantha about mental health. We're talking about all the goodies that comes with it, all the ugly sides, the pretty sides, the drugs, and all that stuff. Um, Now, we're at the point in the, the show where I have a small segment called Thinking Out loud okay now i'm gonna ask you the most random question (laughs) (laughs) am i ready though am i ready i don't know (laughs) we're gonna find out (laughs) and i want your initial response you can't take 10 minutes to think about it all right okay okay i got you (laughs) you ready all right i'm ready this one's actually not too bad so okay would you rather Ah, this one's going to be easy for you. Okay, I'm going to have to freestyle it. No, no, I'm going to switch it up on you. You think you're you're not getting an easy one. Uh -uh. (laughs) I I, I just remembered you love to go to the movies. And so, so that's why I can't give you that one. That one's too easy. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm going to throw you a curveball. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Here we go. I got a new one for you. Let's see. Um, Okay. Would you rather buy all used underwear or all used toothbrushes? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I know you're tripping right now. You're tripping. Like, for real. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You gotta pick. You gotta pick. 
you know what? Honestly, I'm gonna just say I'm gonna just say two brushes because I can just run and grab my mouthwash and done. Seriously. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That was awesome. Oh my god, you're funny, man. For real. <laughs> Oh, I gotta have fun with it. You know what I mean? It's, oh my god! I gotta have fun with it. Oh, thank you so much for participating in that one. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> so I made a list of um, questions mm-hmm. that I guess I googled some of these, and I'm trying to figure out. So these are some questions that individuals struggling with um, mental health wished others would ask them. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to, I'm going to read a few of them and you can tell me if they help mm-hmm. or or they, they may be problematic. Okay. All right. So one of them is, is there anything you need from me or something I can do to help you? Okay. Is that okay. an okay question to ask somebody who is... Very, yeah, very good, yeah. That's yeah. a very good question. Yeah, that's not, that's good. Okay. Um, this one here is, can we do something together? Maybe get coffee, uh, go for a walk or see a movie. That's okay as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And can you help me understand what it's like living with your condition? It's a good question, but I would check out the word condition. And I say that because you have, you have to consider trigger words, right? Ah. Um, changing the lingo can help. That's why I don't really like saying mental health illnesses. Sometimes I like saying mental health concerns. Sometimes I like saying mental health affairs. So maybe not saying condition because now you are calling that individual what they have. Right. They are not anxiety. That has right. latched onto them from various factors, right? So again, just changing the lingo is still a very good question, but just simply changing the lingo. You know, changing from condition to something else. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I mean, just because a person has mental illness doesn't mean that they can't participate in regular activities as well. Exactly. Right. So, right. Okay. Um, do you need to talk? Is that an okay to, to ask, question to ask? It's a tough question because sometimes you, you have to remember some of these people have spoken so much in various ways, mm-hmm. right? No, one, no one's really heard them. No one has heard them. Sometimes they want you to just sit there and just sit there with them. That's it. Right? So again, it's just asking the right questions in a way. I, I think the best questions to ask are the ones that you asked before. Okay. What can I do to help? Because then now it's not, it's not about you as a person. It's about the person who you're wanting to help. Right. Right? right? So... Again, sometimes they don't want to talk. They are tired of talking. And especially if someone, you know, struggles with suicide, they are tired of talking. They're at the point where they're wanting to take their life. Right. Right? So asking, hey, how can I help? Yeah, how can I help? Okay. I have two more. Okay. Um, how can I support you? And can I listen to you, leave you alone, give you a hug? Those are good because I say that because everyone is different. Yes. And some people 
they do not want to experience no form of physical touch because of trauma, mm-hmm. domestic violence, right? physical abuse. Yeah. So giving them options is good. And also asking them, if you didn't name all the options, ask them, have I missed any? Right? If so, what is it? But not, again, we have to remember, sometimes we treat people the way we want to be treated. Right. We're all different, right? Maybe your love language is not the same as mine. So asking, hey, do you want a hug? Do you want to grab something to eat? Do you want, you know, a high five? Give them options, right? So that way they, they can choose what they want right. because now you're meeting them where they're at. That's really important to do that. Awesome. And the last one I had was asking them, um, how are you feeling today on a scale of one to 10? That's a very good question. That's something I use with my clients. I check in with them all the time. So it's good because... Again, you're not saying, hey, are you happy today? But right. if you're not happy today, you're asking them, hey, on a scale of one to five, one being not so good, five being really good, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. That gives them the opportunity to share with you how they are actually feeling. Wow. So it's good. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's it's called like a scaling technique that we use sometimes just to kind of see where they are. Okay. And then if, if we know, hey, they're they're at a three, maybe we would interact with them a bit different. As opposed to them being at a one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great question. Really good question, actually. Now we're back to you. Okay. So, could you share an important life lesson that you've learned on this journey um, we all call life? Hmm. I've learned. Whether it's about you or just humanity in general. I've learned, honestly, Derek. Just the the impact of trauma, mm-hmm. and I've learned how to interact with people and meet them where they're at. Um, I've learned that you have to take a lot of factors into consideration because those factors have shaped people and have shaped their reality and have shaped how they perceive the world and have shaped how they interact with people. Right. So I think for me, just the journey of life and just the career choice that I've chosen, my own lived experiences, I have learned that because a lot of the times when we meet people, we forget what they've been through. We Mm. expect them to be a certain way because we are that way. We expect them to have the same beliefs as you because you grew up in a certain household. You forget that they have different values and norms and we forget that they're socialized differently. So I believe, especially with this job that I'm in, I have learned a lot from my honesty. When I meet people, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this job has taught me, and life in general, to, to um, I pick up on so many cues. It's scary. Yeah. You know, I, I can meet someone the first time and I know a lot about them already. Yeah. Um, just because just, who I am as a person and again just all the studying that I've done but I believe it has taught me don't treat people the way that um you want to be treated mm. treat them the way that they need, need to, to be, be treated yep. right and again that's and again that doesn't make it conditional um I think for me I've learned to really understand people's love languages it's so important because I know people who don't want to be hugged, but they prefer to get to receive a word of affirmation. Right. 
right? And a lot of times we don't take these things into consideration, especially culturally speaking. You know, I think about, you know, just the indigenous people, what they've been through. Mm -hmm. I think about black people as well. I think about Indians as well. Really understanding people is important Um, and asking the right questions. I learned that in life, it's, it, it, it's important. And that has helped shape me as a person where I can be more eclectic in my approach, where I don't have one approach for everybody. I can meet people where they're at. And that has helped me just in who I am because I'm so extroverted and I, I love meeting people. And um, people tend to gravitate towards me because of just the fact that I meet people where they're at. Nice. And I take time to understand. So. I think that has helped me, that it's cleared a lot of myths that I grew up hearing. Yes. Right? Um, in general. So I think for me, that has helped me in life in, in so many ways. And it's actually just a blessing for real. So. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so at the beginning, you shared mm-hmm. quite a bit the things that you're interested in. You mentioned reading, cooking, movies. Walks, I believe you mentioned the uh, you mentioned family and friends mm-hmm. that are important to you. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to those. I just want you to share with me reading. What's the most recent book you've read that's not a textbook? Oh my god, that's not a textbook. Yeah, because I know you're gonna give me a textbook. I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's trying to go buy a textbook. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the book that I've been taking in, um, the audio version is How to Do the Work ah. by uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera. One of the dopest books I've ever listened to. Um, and I even talked to my boss, you know, who said, honestly, girl, she's like, that book is so good. And I think because I've taken that book in and I've, I've, I've seen, I've been able to just ruminate on my life a lot because of that book Mm -hmm. I recommend the book to everybody the way that the author writes it's so understanding and so understandable that people won't have a hard time you know comprehending what she's saying because it's written in just a simplified way and um, I think with that book I always tell people um, in order to understand things you've got to understand yourself it's important And I think people go through a life just living and don't really know who they are and know the power that they have within and understand just, you know, where they come from, why they have these beliefs and things of that sort. So that's a book that I've been listening to, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicola Perry. And shout out to her. You know, she's just an amazing woman. And, um, you know, she's really helped me in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. That's a book I got to pick up. See what I'm doing here? I'm cheating. That's how, hey. I, that's how I build my libraries. <laughs> you got to pick the minds of the people that you're talking to. Why not? Hey, 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 I agree. I right? Agree. So, <laughs> so cooking. Mm-hmm. What's the favorite dish that you like to cook? Oh, my God. Well, here's the thing. I was vegan for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then I backslid. And, and then you came back to the dead meat. <laughs> hey, you know, you can say that because it's just now I think I'm like borderline vegan because yeah. I barely eat meat. I probably have meat maybe, if anything, once or twice a month, if mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Sometimes maybe I'll say five. So 
the dish that I like to make is, I won't say it's, it's a recipe where you can find on Google, something I made up myself. Okay. So I really enjoy Kalaloo, okay? Mm-hmm. And the way that I do it, I have to cut the Kalaloo really, really, really fine. And then I add pimento peppers. Oh. Now, those peppers are dope, Derek. Like, they make food taste so good. It heightens just how food tastes, oh. right? And then I add some, you know, like onion and scallion, and then I, I saute that, um, and then do some okra on the side. Mm. And then I have my little avocado, and then I have my green banana. That's one dish. On the flip side, I also love things like quinoa. I love chickpeas. I love salads. So Greek salad is like my favorite salad in the world. So I love salads. Um, I'll do that easily. Mm. If, I, if I feel like eating fish, I'll do salmon okay. with like asparagus. Sometimes I'll have like baby potatoes. Sometimes I'll just have like asparagus and like maybe Brussels sprouts. Nice. So I really incorporate a lot of greens in yeah. my meals because again, I, I believe food is life and, and it is energy. And because I want to be very energetic throughout the day, I try to eat as healthy as possible. So that's what I usually eat. I'm on the verge of actually trying to learn how to make uh, vegetarian lasagna with zucchini. Oh. And that's my, yeah, that's my next thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's my next thing. That's my next, my next, you know, recipe to kind of engage in. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Now, Mm -hmm. movies. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh my God. I know you have probably 10, but you got to pick one for today. Oh my, okay, you know what? I hope this encompasses all of them. Anything with Marvel. No, you're cheating. <laughs> pick one. <laughs> you're not going to get away with it. <laughs> I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Honestly, I would say Avengers has, yeah, Avengers for sure. Wow. Um, I believe it's the last one. Mm-hmm. And the second last one. So yeah, the last one pretty much. It's one of like the dopest movies I've ever seen. I like how they all come together. And that's where we talked about community. That goes back to your quote at the beginning, right? They're all different. They're all different characters that have different, you know, powers, but when they amalgamate together, it's they're they're crazy. So Nice. And just, you know, one of my favorite movies for sure. Awesome. And then on a scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. One being um, the least important and 10 obviously being the most. How important is family to you? Family, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 for sure. Um, family brings out the worst in you. Family brings out the best in you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know that they will always be there. Um, and I think for me, growing up in the household that I grew up in, you know, I didn't have the best relationship with my mom starting off, but when I really took the time to educate myself and understand, you know, my my family and things of that sort, mm-hmm. it helped. Um, because a lot of times I think we hold our parents to this high esteem where we think they know everything and right. they are regular people too. And we have to take the time to get to know them and, um, kind of bond with them in that way. But, you know, family is really important to me. I mean, my family is, you know, we all have our differences, you know, we all, you know, do our own thing, but we find ways to spend time together. And uh, if that means going for a drive, sometimes we'll do that. Uh, We used to travel, you know, when we were younger a lot, you know, our our parents took us to Disneyland and 
you know, and, and so my family tries to do at least, you know, a couple of things per year. Right. So family, you know, that's important for me. And that's something I want to do with my family. You know, we'll be spending time together, even, even if life is hectic. Right. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, Samantha, we're at the end of our beautiful conversation. But before we wrap things up, what I want to do is if you can leave our listeners um, with a statement uh, to guide them on their journey anything that you want to leave them with. And then following that, I would, you know, love for you to share any information as to how they can learn more about what you're doing um, or how they can get a hold of you um, mm-hmm. or anything, any resources that you can kind of direct us to. If you're on social media at all, if that's something that you're also open to sharing information there or anything of that nature. Right. So I think what I would leave them with is, you know what, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And a lot of times um, people are bounded by just, you know, things of the past. Um, but I would say focus on the present because the past will motivate you and push you to be a better you and to not allow things to hold you back, especially fear and shame and guilt and, and, and those things. Irrespective of your age, go for your dreams and don't be ashamed to share testimony. You don't know who you're going to help. Sure. That's what I would, you know, leave them with. Wow. Um, yeah. In regards to resources, um, I would say, you know what, CAMH is like a really good resource, the Center for Mental Health and Addiction. Um, I would also say, you know, Sick Kids Hospital, depending on, you know, if people have children, you know, St. Mike's Hospital as well. There's various, various clinics like CMHA. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, they're located some in Toronto, some in Peel, Ontario Shores is in you know the the Durham area. Um, McKenzie Hospital again is in the York Region area, um, and I would also say I do have you know just a couple of books that you know that they can read. There's a book that I started reading called Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Yes. By Dr. George Agrew. Very, very, very good book. Yep, I got that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend that book. Another book is um, The Miseducation of the Negro. Yep, got that I- one too. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I mean... <laughs> talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> that is a very good book and one last book I would say even though I have like a plethora mm-hmm. is Medical Apartheid ooh that one I don't have by Harriet A. Washington it's such a good book I mean I think that book is so powerful and the book is packed with so much information I've never actually finished it wow. it's a book that um, it really goes into great depth about the medical the medical world and what it's done on a lot of black bodies and things of that sort and why perhaps black people are really scared of going to the doctor. Mm. Just the trauma. So once again, trauma is important to really understand because then you're able to kind of identify things within your life. So that's another book that I recommend um, for people to read um, as well. Wow. Yeah. Very, really <laughs> very, very powerful book. No. book for sure. Are you are you on social media at all? 
Yes, I am. So they can follow me at underscore Samantha Frederick. Um, they can follow me there. My page is not private. So if they do follow me, they're good. Okay. They don't have to go through anything. Okay. And that uh, they can also email me at Samantha Frederick. So F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K. The number two zero at gmail.com. And they can ask me anything, anything. Um, regarding mental health or just family, anything. And again, it doesn't have to be mental health related. Um, you know, so by all means, I'm, I'm, I'm very open in that regard. So. Thank you so, so, so much. You're very welcome. Oh my gosh, folks. Listen, she gave you all the information that you need. I'll also have it in the description. Um, if you follow the show on Podbean, um, again, I want to thank all our listeners the followers, supporters, people in the comments, making sure they keep us, you know, engaged as well. Um, I can't thank Samantha enough for a great show. I really enjoyed myself with this one. Um, I had a blast. I learned a lot too while I was laughing. Um, <laughs> it's important. I've, I, I have a mantra, right? Like if I don't get one or two gut busting laughs a day, it's not a good day. Mm, okay, so okay. I wake up every day going to work or whatever I'm doing. That's my goal. Okay. Not whether I have a great day at work. I need to get one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And when I get it, I'm, I'm satisfied. Okay. It doesn't matter if it rains or anything like that. So uh, that's just something that I live with. And it's helped me out a great deal over the years. But again, you gave me a you know an abundance of that today. So thank you. And also check out those books that she recommended. I mean, she's reading it. I got some of them. You got to get on it. Without further ado, until next time, love, peace, and nappiness. Mm -hmm.